What? Crack Big dogs. Welcome back to the channel. Welcome back to the headquarters. My name is Nicholas. We are. We are. BDGE. Big dogs gotta eat. Fantasy football. It is Friday, so you're getting my rankings video. We're talking about some of the guys I have ranked much higher than consensus. Some of the guys I have lower than consensus all of that good shit if you want my rankings right now you don't want to listen to a damn word that i have to say wouldn't blame you for a second but you can head over to patreon patreon.com forward slash bdge where you will get my in-season weekly rankings we have completely revamped our dynasty rankings so those went up yesterday live dynasty every position super flex all that good shit plus you get access to our discord channel and we're talking a lot of sports cards here's what i'm going to do today robert Robert, by the way, edits these Friday videos. So I see a lot of y'all give daps up to, to, to Scott. Scott does the Fade the Public videos, which he does a fucking fantastic job on. Robert does the Friday videos. So if you want to give compliments, make sure you're doing it to the right person. Thursday, Fade the Public is Scott. Friday, rankings video is Mr. Robert. You could follow him on Twitter at Reports Robert. I, uh, I, I want to do a little preface, a little story time, a little venting to y'all at the beginning of this. So Robert, put the time right here for when the fantasy shit starts if y'all don't want to listen to me complain about some stuff today. Where do we start? I got a LinkedIn message today from some guy, I forget what his name is, and he links one of my old YouTube videos from last year. It was one of the Fade the Public videos for like week nine of last year. And he's like, I'm reaching out because you've used this song in your video and it's against our copyright terms or some shit. So we used a song that I guess we weren't supposed to use in the outro of our video. You know, at the end of our videos, we put music in to like kind of lead y'all into the credits. So we put a song in there and we weren't supposed to use it, whatever. Usually YouTube kind of knocks these things down immediately. They tell you either one, like you can't use this and the, and the video won't be seen anywhere or Shout out to like people in Denmark, by the way, almost every one of our videos gets blocked in Denmark. So if you happen to be from Denmark and see this, congratulations, you've probably missed like 90% of our content so far. The other thing is YouTube will tell you, okay, you could use the song, but your video can't be monetized. Or if it is monetized, the monetization, the money will go towards the person whose song it is. That's fine. I would rather y'all enjoy the video, have good music and, and make it a, a quality video that's fun and entertaining and whatever the fuck it is and not make money from it. You don't really make a lot of money from YouTube videos anyways, unless they're doing big numbers, right? So usually there's never a problem. This guy reaches out to me via LinkedIn and he was like, we can either sign an agreement for using our license in the music, or I'm going to reach out to YouTube and I will hire a lawyer. So I reached back out and I was just like, I deleted the video. Sorry about that. And he comes back to me and he says, it doesn't matter if you deleted the video. You've been using it for, you've been using our song for over a year. We will have to come to an agreement on payment. $2,000 US dollars. Guys from like Australia or something. He keeps ending his fucking messages with cheers. And typically my run-ins with Australian people, I studied abroad in Australia for like six months. Great people. Over there. I love, I love Australian people. This guy's a fucking cunt. And I'm going to use the word cunt because you guys like to use the word cunt over there in Australia. This guy wants a $2,000 settlement. This video probably got like four or 5,000 views. He wanted like a dollar per view. Okay. So don't ever let me tell you that your single view, this is like voting. Make sure you get your asses out there and vote by the way. Some might say this is a pretty big election coming up. We're not going to get into politics. All of your views count. All the votes count. All of your views count because this guy's going to charge me a dollar per view. The song fucking stinks anyways. Scott, I don't know what you were doing putting that song in there anyways. It fucking stinks. Not up to quality. I went and searched the song on YouTube. It had like 112 views on it. 
I'm like, your song fucking stinks. You've never made a dollar off this and you want me to pay you $2,000 for this. So what I'm going to do is probably just not answer him. But if anyone knows anything about like copyright, music, infringement, getting fucking sued for it, please drop a comment down below. I'd like to know a little bit more about that if I'm actually going to be in trouble or not. So I'm probably just not going to answer him. And then I'm sure he'll come back to me within a day or two and be like, I'm sending you some kind of legal document. I'll be like, listen, listen, motherfucker. Like I will pay you $100 tops for you to leave me the fuck alone. I don't have time for this. I already like go into, I wake up and before you know it, I'm checking Twitter. I'm checking Instagram. I'm checking YouTube. I'm checking all of the DMs and all those things. I'm checking my email. I'll go to Snapchat for my personal shit. I'll, and then I'll go on LinkedIn, right? So that's like the last place I need to be getting anxiety from. And now I'm getting people fucking sending me out $2,000 invoices for using some shitty ass song for seven seconds in a video a year ago. That guy, I'm going to pull up his name right now. Joseph Franklin. The track name is Outro by the band Planet Love Sound. All right, Joseph Franklin, you could sit on it. All right, my guy, you could fucking sit on it. I'm sorry for that. On a positive note, I just saw the trailer for the new Borat movie. Looks fucking hilarious. I don't understand how people, after like 10 years, not know that that's Borat. Borat! What do you say? No, it's not me. Borat, come back! People make recognize my face. I would need disguises. This man is sex criminal? No, no sex criminal. I will take this to be a fat <laughs> like American man. Yeah? This is a good one. <laughs> Where is his crumb? Like he is he's an iconic he's an iconic figure at this point in the country. I wonder also like a lot of the trailer parts they'll he'll be like inside somebody's home and they'll be like he'll say some dumb shit and the cameras are like super clear so someone who like uses cameras pretty often to make content I know that those are like legitimate cameras and there's no way they're hidden cameras they're they're really high quality with high quality lenses there's no other way to capture that type of content so those people have to know what's going on right like but also there's no fucking way like Borat is not staged there's no way he's a crazy motherfucker that's what makes the movie so funny um, but I'm just kind of conflicted on that like how does everybody not know who Borat is and how do they have those cameras in those situations? So it's killing some of the virus. No, you can't see the virus. No, it's still there. If you think you see a virus go like that. This makes That's the virus you... sleepy. And then when it's sleeping. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Uh, I don't have much more else to vent about. I probably have so much more to vent about, but you guys probably already clicked off. I'm sorry. All right. Let's get into fantasy. Let us. Let me do something I've probably never, never done before. I'm going to tuck my sweatshirt into my jeans. Tuck your shirts in. Ooh. Stop yelling. I'll stop yelling if you stop yelling. Let's eat. Okay, as I'm looking through my rankings, and there's no organization here. I kind of just like talk shit about some players and just tell you about players that I like. And uh, one guy I really don't like, but I like him this week. It's Mr. David Johnstein. After seeing what we've done the last two weeks, it's not really a surprise that DJ's had two shitty games. He's gone against the Steelers. He's gone against the Ravens, two of the toughest run defenses to succeed against and at this point in his career DJ is not good enough to be like matchup proof he's not good enough to overcome very 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 good run defenses despite despite what I was told by all of you guys after his first carry in week one about how elite he looked again right despite how elite he was after first carry week one he's not good enough to overcome the Ravens and the Steelers 
run defense. However, he's not getting those teams this week. He's getting the Minnesota Vikings. And anybody can put numbers on the board against the Minnesota Vikings. They are the 31st ranked team in rush defense per PFF, 24th per football outsiders. I can go through all the websites. They're not good. They're not good at football when it comes to run defense. With David Johnson, you're looking for a good matchup and you're looking for volume. And he has gotten an absurd amount of volume since Duke Johnson went out with an ankle injury in week one and has not returned. David Johnson has handled all but two, two running back touches in this Houston backfield. The Vikings have allowed the eighth most fantasy points to running backs on the year. Their defense is hurting, and this is a game where you could finally feel good about starting David Johnson. So he is a top 15 ranked running back for me in fantasy football this week, despite the shite, shite performances over the last couple of weeks. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Darrell Henderson. So whatever David Johnson did on the field the last two weeks, Darrell Henderson has done the absolute opposite. He's been falling. You need to have him in your lineup. There's no way you cannot have him in your lineup. And I actually just traded for him in the E-Town get down, which was huge for me because I didn't have any running backs behind Eckler and Miles Sanders. And he goes against the New York Giants. He had 20 carries last week. 20 carries. There are not a lot of running backs that have single games of 20 carries. Like a lot of teams just don't trust a single running back. There's not enough game script. There's not enough team strategy going in that allows the opportunity for a running back to get 20 carries. And he did so last week. The team is running the ball on 55% of their plays. The Rams are running the ball on 55% of their plays, which is the single highest rate in the NFL. It's a higher rate than the Ravens were at last year. And that was including Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson's runs, okay? The Rams are heavy favorites in this one. They're minus 12 per Vegas lines right now. So I expect just because it's the game plan already for the Rams, plus the game script of being heavy, heavy favorites in this one, uh, I expect a ton, a ton of work for these running backs. Now, the New York Giants have actually been surprisingly okay against running backs on the ground, but they have allowed the 10th most fantasy points to the running back position. And it's because they're they're letting up a lot of work through the air. And that is that is a strong point of Henderson's game. And it has been over the last couple of weeks, but they've allowed the sixth most rushes of 20 plus yards. So they are allowing big plays. And Henderson brings that legitimate, you know, four, four, five, 40 yard dash speed. So he is a big play guy waiting to happen. So maybe, you know, the in between the uh, tackles carries will only go for a couple yards a piece, but he's probably destined to break off one or two big runs. He's going to catch some passes there. And this is just too beautiful game script, not to start him with confidence. And you look at this Rams team, man, like Sean McVay, dude's a fucking baller. This offensive line, I don't think you could say enough about what he's done to this offensive line. When he came in and began his tenure as the coach for the Rams, their offensive line was trash. And within a year, he flipped it. They were a top five run blocking line. That's why Todd Gurley was so good for fantasy. Last year, they went back to trash, okay? It was Tuesday, Tuesday's trash day. Wednesday, Thursday was the Todd Gurley seasons. And Friday's trash day again, okay? Sanitation folks are jolly friendly blokes. Courteous and easy going. Them up when you're overflowing. And tell you when your ass is showing. This year, they have switched things up again. Second in run blocking per PFF. Third in run blocking per football outsiders. Darrell Henderson, per player profiler, is enjoying the fourth highest run blocking efficiency amongst all NFL running backs. Somehow, this team has flipped their weakness from last year. Again, biking to a strength. It's wheels up for Darrell Henderson. Akers did not practice on Wednesday. I filmed these on Thursday. You see him on Friday. So, obviously, in the world of fantasy, shit happens quickly. Sometimes I miss things. Sometimes they happen after I film the video. So let's do a little search action on Mr. Cam Akers. Nothing new yet. 
He did not practice yesterday, so he's definitely still 50-50 for shooting up against this one. But, you know, monitor, monitor those reports. Even if Cam Akers suits up, he'll be limited. I am not expecting him to have a major impact in his first week back. So Darrell Henderson will not move up or down my rankings by any significant measure if Cam Akers does suit up. So Darrell Henderson, easy RB2, mid RB2. Wouldn't be surprised if we saw high RB2, low end RB1 numbers week four against a pathetic G-Men. By the time you're watching this, I'm sure you saw it. But Bruce Arians came out and made some comments on Wednesday that he is not optimistic about Leonard Fournette playing this week, which obviously means Rojo's going to have that feature back. And they are playing against the Chargers. Now, the Chargers defense has found a way, despite all the injuries that they've had leading up to this point, to be a competent defense. Like you think, okay, they lose Derwin James, they lose some of these other players, and you're like, okay, we can still like roll people out with confidence. And they're still fucking balling on the defensive side of things. Now they lose a few more major players. So Melvin Ingram's on the IR, Justin Jones on the IR. So that's big hits to their defensive lineman. Chris Harris also on the IR now. So they are really, really depleted on the defensive side of the ball. So Rojo can be started as an RB2. I'm not going to go up to like top 15. I probably have him ranked around running back 23-ish, 24 right now. But obviously this opens up a lot more. You know, he doesn't have to be on a leash now. If he fumbles the ball or something, it's not like they can go to Leonard Fournette if Leonard Fournette does not suit up. So monitor those reports where Rojo becomes like a solid RB2 play for you if Fournette is out. Again, you can get all my rankings, in-season weekly rankings, patreon.com forward slash B-D-G-E. It's also time to cool it with this Baltimore backfield, man. Like those who drafted Ingram in the fifth round and thought they were getting these rushing touchdowns from last year, you're you're delusional. They're not there. J.K. Dobbins, you always went into the year knowing that you were going to have to be patient, but the Ravens clearly are not looking to ride Dobbins anytime soon. And Gus Edwards is the third piece of this backfield. No one is starting, but he has gotten nearly 30% of the opportunities for the Ravens. And yeah, a lot of that is garbage time. But listen, if the Ravens offense is going to be one that puts their team into garbage time and continues to use that trend towards the running back opportunities, then it matters, right? Like if we're going to say like garbage time is not predictive, but we're always in garbage time, then 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 it does need to be thought of, okay? Who can, who can, who can, who can? You just can't start any of these guys with confidence right now. I tweeted this out yesterday. Make sure you're following me, Nick underscore BDGE. James Robinson, the stud, the god out in Jacksonville has scored more fantasy points this year than the entire Ravens backfield combined. Half PPR. And people are still trotting Ingram out as if he's an RB2. He's like RB40 on the year. His weekly finishes, RB63, RB18, RB58. You're hoping for him to roll in for a touchdown. But if that doesn't happen, you're looking at an absolute dud in your lineup. Dobbins is literally averaging five touches in like 40 yards a game. We're still holding on to those two touchdowns he scored in week one. If he did not score those two touchdowns, we that was three weeks ago. We wouldn't even be thinking about putting him into your lineup. So got to get the rookie Dobbins out. You also got to get the rookie DeAndre Swift out as much as that hurts to, to, to say. Can't put him anywhere near your lineup. Last rookie is Josh Kelly. Very hyped last week. because He had the great matchup against Carolina Panthers, but we're going to have to cool it this week because he's going against the Tampa Bay defense. Tampa Bay defense has been very, very stout against runners. They let up some fantasy points because most of the time they're attacked through the air. They let up some uh, some air work to the receiving backs, but they are, as they were last year, extremely, extremely hard nose up the middle. And that's what Josh Kelly does, right? If he's not breaking away big plays or getting the goal line work or scoring up the middle, then he's probably going to put up a dud in your lineup as well. So Josh Kelly is a guy that I have pulled the reins back on relative to last week, okay? Last guy I think uh, might be a little bit of a sleeper for y'all out there. 
Travis Homer could end up getting a lot of work in this one. I won't go too in-depth here because we just got reports that Chris Carson was actually limited at practice today. If he's limited already on, on Wednesday, I believe maybe yesterday he was limited. If he's limited by Wednesday, that probably puts him in a pretty good place to end up playing on Sunday. Even in a limited capacity, it's probably going to kill. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. But most of the role for Carlos Hyde and Travis Homer. So while this is a ridiculously good matchup for Seattle, you know, going down to Miami, it's crazy that this is only a six and a half point spread. If you guys know anything about gambling, like very basic stuff, being at home gives you a three point advantage from the rip. So if it's just teams that are completely neutral, you get three points on the spread if you're at home, which means Seattle, if they were at home, this would be a 12 and a half point spread for them, right? Neutral location would make the six and a half go up to nine and a half in Seattle will make it 12 and a half though, though, I don't know if anyone knows the answer to this question. I was thinking about this today when I was just walking around fucking aimlessly around my neighborhood. That's what I do with myself. I live alone. Like I just fucking wander around like a, like a maniac, but I was, this is what I think about like these weird things I want to throw into the video because there's no crowds and because there's no crowd noise. I wonder if Vegas has move the lines for home field advantage. Like in Seattle, those three points are everything, right? Because th that the crowd there does make a huge difference. But playing in Seattle without the 12s, I wonder if that's factored into the line at all. I wonder if now, because there's no crowd, it's only two and a half points, right? Moving with and without. And I wonder if they actually take like the subjective crowds themselves, like Seattle or Arrowhead or wherever, and that actually affects the line. But anyone knows the answer to that, please drop a comment. And while y'all are down there, if you do enjoy the video, just hit the thumbs up, man. Just just do this that, that thing. Let's me know that you enjoy these videos. Also, I had a question for y'all because in season, everything happens on such a quick pace, like timely manner. Like I, from Sunday to Wednesday, I barely have a second for myself to breathe. And we do a lot of live stuff in the season, right? So that we can get the content out in time rather than filming it, editing it, uploading it, right? Like this is the only individual video I do in season that I do by myself and, and do it in that sort of process because the other way is just much more, you know, much more simple and, and easy for me to actually stay on top of content. Like on Tuesday's videos, the waiver wire and the recaps are live streams. Saturday, the Q&A is also live stream. I'm curious what your thoughts on those videos are, because for me, to be honest with you, if I did this tomorrow as a live stream, it would be a lot easier for me and we'd have more updates on on players and health and things like that. But I know personally, as someone who consumes like podcasts or someone who consumes videos, you know, content like that, I don't prefer live. Like I don't like when the content creator puts their live stuff up as a secondary piece of content. If I was a fan of me, right? 
and I did this live and then posted it as my podcast, I don't think I like it as much. So I'm just curious what your guys' thoughts are. Like, would you like me to do these videos the same way I do Tuesday? Like rip through this as if I normally would um, without actually like any production or editing behind what like Robert normally does. And then maybe do a little bit of Q&A afterwards because you guys will be in the live chat. Or do you prefer these well-produced featured films? Just curious. Wide receivers. Are we curious about the LA Rams wide receivers? Because I certainly am. As someone who believes this game could get into blowout territory rather quickly, and Darrell Henderson should be the beneficiary of this, have to start asking yourselves what to do with the Rams wide receivers. I, I don't know if the game script will be good for them because this is, you know, while, while they've had their ups and down games, right? Like last week, we're, we're just thinking of these Rams wide receivers, and Cup and Woods are both coming off very strong performances. So you're thinking, okay. You know, both of them are very, very, very startable. And I and they are startable for most people. Like where you drafted them, you're probably going to have them in your lineup. You're just thinking, okay, they're playing against the Giants. Like awesome defense to throw against. And of course, we need them in our lineup. But they've also had their dud games, right? Robert Woods has had a dud game. Cooper Cup has had a dud game. And it's because they're going so ground heavy. They've been going so ground heavy. Uh, this Rams offense. Jared Goff has attempted 32 or fewer pass attempts in all three games so far this season. 31, 27, and 32. Those are his pass attempt totals. Those are extremely low. Last year, he did that. He hit 32 or fewer a total of five times. He's done it in all three games so far this season. This seems like a game script where he will hit 30 pass attempts or fewer, which is worrisome for Robert Woods because Robert Woods is going to be lining up against James Bradbury. And this was something I talked about in the summer that the movement of James Bradbury coming over from Carolina to New York, not huge for fantasy, James Bradbury was awesome last year. He was an awesome shutdown shadow coverage cornerback last year. One of the very, very few bright spots for Carolina's pass defense. And the same thing is tra uh, transferred over to New York. He is one of the very, very few bright spots for this pass defense for New York. He has been very good against opposing wide receivers. PFF's third highest graded coverage cornerback in the NFL among 109 qualified cornerbacks. And he will largely be lining up against Robert Woods. While on the flip side, you got Cooper Cup, who's obviously their slot wide receiver, gets the single easiest matchup per PFF against Darnay Holmes. Darnay Holmes, who has been the third worst graded coverage cornerback and the single worst graded slot cornerback in the NFL per PFF. He is bottom six in terms of target share per route covered and yards allowed per route covered. He's just very bad. So Woods is going up against the third best cornerback in coverage. Cup gets the third worst cornerback in coverage. The math adds up for Cup to be higher than Woods, which means Woods is going to blow the fuck up and Cup's going to have an absolute dud game. Welcome to my life as someone who talks about fantasy football for a living. Okay. I like Devontae Parker this week a lot, man. I really, really like Devontae Parker this week. I have him all the way up at wide receiver 14. He has not been scoring, but he's been consistent around that wide receiver two mark. Like PPR, he's, he's finishing with 12 points a game, like week in, week out. Now, the Seahawks haven't been able to stop a fucking thing through the air, and they're likely going to be without Jamal Adams. Their defense was already banged up, and now they're super banged up. No Jamal Adams. They lost Bruce Irvin last week, and now they lost his backup this week. So they're, again, going to be decimated, right? Parker's obviously been less than 100% with the whole hamstring injury, but this is another week removed from that. No set bikes. And you look at Devontae Parker, his matchup, going against Trey Flowers and per player profiler, and you could see this on any wide receiver page on there, completely free. His rank is 106th in coverage. Not good. Not good. Good for Devonta Parker. Not good for the Seattle Seahawks. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, 
he has been more than enough for fantasy owners, man. Over his last 10 games as the Dolphins starter, he has attempted 37 pass attempts or fewer just twice. In that span, last 10 games as a starter for Miami, he has averaged 39, over 39 pass attempts per game. A lot of volume going to be slanging around this one. So I'm expecting like a six for 80 and a touchdown, maybe even a bigger game for your boy, Devontae Parker, this week. Fire him up with confidence. A couple lower, lower ranked guys that I think I would also be throwing in there with confidence as my wide receiver three or flex plays. I talked about him so much on Tuesday. Justin Jefferson playing at Houston. He is my wide receiver 30 right now. He is ranked ECR, expert consensus ranking, wide receiver 42. Put some fucking respect on this man's name. Put it on his name. Again, I went nuts about it on Tuesday in the stream, which I will link down below, and I will link the timestamp for when I talked about him more in depth. If you want to go watch me yell about Justin Jefferson, I'm not going to go as in depth. But for this matchup, Adam Thielen will be getting shadowed by Bradley Roby. That means Justin Jefferson is going to be lining up across either Vernon Hargraves and or Eric Murray. Both of them have shit, shit coverage grades this year per every website I've looked at. Very, very easy matchup for Justin Jefferson, which means just like last week, Kirk Cousins is probably going to be looking at Justin Jefferson a whole lot in this matchup. I absolutely love it. I think Jefferson's a guy you ride hot while the matchups are there, while he has Kirk's trust and the secondary is soft. So big fan of Justin Jefferson this week. Big fan of Hunter Renfro versus Buffalo. My rank, wide receiver 36. So borderline wide receiver three. ECR has him down at wide receiver 46. I mean, listen, Henry Ruggs is out. Brian Edwards is out. And Buffalo, the middle of their defense is softer than Snacks. I don't know if you watched yesterday's Fade the Public video, but Snacks was again fucking tears rolling. Tears rolling. No, I'm not doing this. I'm not fucking doing this. Stop fucking looking at me. I'm not going to cry. I mean, I did a little bit, but <laughs> stop. They have been killed by the middle of the field, passing attack over the middle of the field. The slot receivers so far that they have faced over the first three weeks, Jamison Crowder week one, seven for 115 and a touchdown. Isaiah Ford week two, seven for 76. Week three, Cooper Cup last week, nine for 105 and a touchdown. Nine for 107. I don't know. I might have fucking put a typo in there. Whatever. Big game. Big game for all three slot wide receivers. They've also allowed the single most fantasy points to tight ends on the year. That just tells you the middle of the field is where you attack. And it's perfect because the Raiders outside wide receivers are hurt. Okay? So now you funnel your targets to Hunter Renfro to Darren Waller. I expect them to get like 80% of the targets from Derek Carr in this one. Okay? So I'm looking forward to Renfro. I think Renfro is just a, one of those guys that's just good at football. You could throw the athletics at me. You could throw whatever you want at me, but he produced in college and he's someone that clearly has the trust of Derek Carr coming off of a big game. I'm expecting another big game from Hunter Renfro. Last guy that I think is good enough for a flex spot, Greg Ward. I have him as wide receiver 40. I have no idea why the fuck he's at wide receiver 70 for ECR. But you all have heard the narratives already. I mean, the Eagles have absolutely no one on offense to throw to besides Ertz, Sanders, and Greg Ward. Sanders popped up on the injury report as a limited participant on Wednesday, so keep a close eye on that. I, I don't think it's supposed to be anything serious. John Hightower was the other like sneaky play that could have eaten into Greg Ward's targets, but John Hightower did not practice today on Thursday. So literally right now, Greg Ward is the only participant in practice, the only wide receiver on their active roster. It's a big problem for them, which means... He's the only guy going to get targets here. So Greg Ward makes sense. I don't think Ward is super talented. I also don't think despite all the injuries, San Francisco's defense is still one that you target. They're just a good, solid, well-coached team that are going to produce good defensive performances week in and week out. Plus four, New York Giants. Put the revenue on it. Put the mortgage on it. Lock of the millennium. 
San Francisco, very banged up on defense. This doesn't make much sense for me for, to see San Fran. I think, I think straight up, New York probably beats them. Good defensive performances week in and week out, but he should have a target floor of like six to seven. I would easily, you know, I'd easily start Je Jefferson. I'd easily start Renfro over Greg Ward, but he's obviously a name to know there. Uh, if you want to talk about defenses, you can go check out the waiver stream from Tuesday. Again, also linked below. Uh, they were talked about more at the end of the video. Love the Rams. Love the Packers. Those are my two favorite streamers that are owned in fewer than 60% of Yahoo leagues. I usually don't dive too deep into tight ends in, in this segment, but one guy I do really like is actually Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz of the Dallas Cowboys. He is currently my tight end 11, so he's very much in the tight end one mix for me this week. Going against this Cleveland defense, they have allowed the fourth most fantasy points to the tight end position. Dalton Schultz right now, Here, I want, I want to rattle off some numbers for you that I think, again, shout out to my TI-83+. plus. The math adds up, which means he's in for a terrible game. Dalton Schultz right now, seventh among all tight ends and targets, fourth in red zone targets, fifth in receptions, fifth in yak. What makes me way more excited about Schultz is not just like those counting stats where he ranks among tight end, but how this offense is playing, the scheme, and the pace. They are throwing the ball at the fourth highest rate in the entire NFL. They are scoring over 29 points per game. They are running the single most plays per game, 76.7 plays per game on offense. The pace is the fastest in the NFL among every team. They have continued what they were doing last year. Mike McCarthy did not eat into Kellen Moore's play style, his calling, his pace, and it's a beautiful thing for statistics. I tweeted something out earlier today. Every once in a while, like as we're in, kind of still in the beginning of the season, it's fun to look at different paces, right? Like through three weeks, you look at someone's stats and then you pace it out to 16 games and you put it on. It's always absurd numbers. And right now, Dak Prescott is on pace to throw for over 6,300 passing yards. So this is an offense you want a piece of. They are running plays at a full four seconds per play faster than the next fastest team. That's an absurd, absurdly high rate. Any NFL team in any given year. And again, they lead the NFL running 76.7 offensive plays per game. It's why all of these these wide receivers and these pass catchers and these runners can produce because they run so many damn plays. You have the Vikings who are running like 54 plays a game. They're literally getting like an extra game's worth of plays every two or three games because they're running at such a fast pace. And those are the offenses that you want to buy into. So I like Dalton Schultz as not only a floor play, but a ceiling play too if he gets into the end zone against a very, very soft Cleveland middle secondary area of the field break that's what i'm gonna do at the end of my videos now and pretend like we were in the huddle together we're out break okay so we've covered the running backs we've covered my wide receivers covered a tight end we didn't cover defenses i just told you to look elsewhere which is a very lazy trick for content creators um i will probably be emailing out my favorite monkey knife fight plays we're on, we're on a two a two game win streak we've we, we've brought in a little bit of revenue over the last couple of weeks monkeyknifefight.com if you're not familiar with it they are a player prop game website. A lot of fun. They do some fantasy points. They do this thing called touchdown dance. I usually email out my favorite picks. I usually, I don't always put them into my videos, but they will be emailed out. You could sign up for our email list, our email newsletter, get the monkey knife fight picks, as well as our weekly newsletter, which is usually a lot of fun. I let snacks take the, uh, take the reins on that. We have a, a bunch of little like fun sections throughout. And I give you guys updates on the brand, you know, like business kind of things. And uh, I'll probably talk shit about that guy uh, on LinkedIn in this up upcoming brands thing. It's the first time we're going to fucking war. We're going to war. We're going to go to court. I'm, I'm down to suit up. 
You know what we'll do? I'll get the whole E-Town Get Down crew and we'll all get into suits and we'll fucking go to court and we'll show up. Guy will fucking walk right out of the courtroom. Hundo percent. No way he fucking stays in there. So you could sign up for our newsletter, as I was saying. Uh, you just head over to BigDogsFantasy.com. BigDogs, D-O-G-S, Fantasy.com. And you'll see on the top menu, you know, you could, uh, you could watch our vlogs. You can shop. We got merch on the site, BigDogsFantasy.com. And sign up for our newsletter. Literally a section up there that says newsletter. You click it. You put your email in. Bing, bang, boom. I'll send you over my favorite monkey knife fight plays of the week. I usually do one for Thursday Night Football. I do one on Sunday. And then I'll do one for Monday Night Football. So... For trying to pay the mortgage, probably fade my picks, but it's a really fun website to play on. And you get a 100% deposit match bonus when you use the promo code BDGE. If you want all my rankings, they are live. Patreon.com slash BDGE. That's all I got for y'all today. With much love, hit that thumbs up button. And I'll see y'all tomorrow on the Patreon only live stream. Peace. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.